Welcome back to It's All Her, the podcast. I'm your host, Geordie Lucas. I'm the founder and editor of It's All Her. I was an actress in a previous life and I'm a mum to a toddler. I've got a lot going on and I have a passion for helping women live simpler, better lives. For the latest in lifestyle and entertainment news, head to itsallher.com. Welcome back. How are you? I hope you've had a wonderful week. Mine has been full of wedding prep. It is less than three weeks away and I am stressed. My fiance went up to the Gold Coast for his bucks, which I'm sure you can tell how happy I was when his friend told me that that's where they'd booked. I'm told they were well behaved and he arrived home in one piece. So whatever, it's over now. I actually don't have a hens planned. I don't know if I'm being miserable about it, but I kind of can't be bothered. I definitely, oh, I just couldn't think of anything worse than some douchey stripper grinding up on me, sipping out of a penis straw. No offense if that's your thing, but it's just not mine. I would actually love to hear if you did something different or unique for your hens because I'm thinking of doing a birthday slash hens party after our wedding and I am looking for ideas. Right, let's get to this week's guest. Samantha Gash first competed on Survivor in 2017. And while she didn't take out the title of Soul Survivor, she did walk away with a little soft spot for one of her fellow contestants, who she ended up marrying. Since then, her and her husband, Mark, have had a child, done some incredible work in the advocacy space, and have returned this year to compete in Blood vs. Water. Here's my chat with Samantha Gash. Samantha, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. You are a contestant on this season of Survivor. You're competing with your husband, Mark. Yeah. How's it watching it back? Oh, I feel like sometimes I'm reliving it again. Um, You know, there's moments that you can feel your heart start to race. Uh, And even moments when you almost get triggered because it is a pressure cooker environment. Mm. Um, Definitely in my professional life, you know, I take myself to places where there there is intensity and there's chaos. Um, But this is different. Like it's it's so hard to put into words what it's like to be a contestant. And I always Mm. try and describe Survivor. Now, having done it for a second time, there's yeah. three there's three experiences. The first one is the experience of us living it, and yeah. that is incredibly real for all of the 24 contestants who do the show. It's you know it's what you see is what you get in terms of the harshness, the conditions. When mm. we're not given extra food, you know it's very primitive. It's extreme heat. It's cold at night. You know the gameplay is real. Yeah. We are humans playing a game. Yeah. Um, but it's personal to us. Mm. And then there's the experience, you know, after the show and before between it airs. And yeah. I always like to say to people, that's when you get in your head and you see everything from your narrative. And because mm. you know, we're individuals, we're all playing, 24 people are playing the game. You're seeing yeah. some people play an under-the-radar game. You're some, seeing some people who are more um, overt with their gameplay, but everyone is playing something. Um, yeah. And then it's the edited version and the way yes. I like to describe that is that is for the audience. And often you'll be like, but that's not exactly how it felt to me. Mm. And either maybe it's not 100% the truth or maybe what you thought was the truth isn't necessarily what was happened for everyone else. Yeah. So it's three unique experiences. And I think when you understand that, you can just kind of surrender a bit to this third phase of the experience. 
And how is it watching it back, hearing and watching conversations between other contestants that you didn't know were going on? Oh, I kind of love that part. I mean, being a returnee player, Mm. I went in with the mindset of this is a game. Yeah. Um, And that was very liberating. It meant I I felt freer to play as a game. I was obviously still myself. And you can see when, you know, Mark doesn't choose to be on a tribe with me. Like my guttural reaction was, my husband didn't choose me. (laughs) And I'm looking at my tribe going, oh, my gosh, I've got Sophie. I've got her sister. You know, I've even got Ben and Croc who I kept out of the vote, you know, when I voted Sophie out the first time. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like. I'm looking at the strength of the guys on the other tribe going, we're going to go to tribal back to back to back to back. (laughs) And then there's this other side of me that's like, we're playing a game. Mm. And our strategy going into this game was to keep separated for as long as possible. So there's like head and heart. Um, Yeah. And sometimes I like it when you see the conflict of head and heart and we're humans. Like we're not these robots playing a game of chess. Like it's Mm. humans. Yeah. Um, so watching it back and seeing different things, oh, it's kind of hilarious sometimes. You know, oh, you said that. And, you know, I really try not to take anything personal in this game because mm. everyone, in my opinion, everyone should be going to play. Yeah. Uh, and so you cannot begrudge someone for playing, even if it is at the detriment to your game. Well, didn't the young girl vote her mum out? I mean, and they, I think they showed it quite clearly, like the writing yeah. on the wall for Sandra. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't there, so I, I wasn't on that tribe, so I don't know. But I think, you know, she, you don't want to put someone else, like she could have not put an, she could have put another name down. Yeah. But the reality is she would potentially have been burning a bridge with someone she was going to wake up with in the next morning. Yeah, yeah. And so it was kind of like her showing her loyalty to her tribe. She knew she couldn't change the vote. She did her yeah. best during the day. Um, and so... You know, Mark and I, you know, it said a similar thing to each other. Like we, I didn't, I never would want to write Mark's name down, but if it's the best thing for both of your games and you can't change the outcome, then don't wake up with animosity if you can avoid it. Yeah. So you competed in 2017 Mm. on the show. You were an elite athlete before that. What made you want to try Survivor because I feel like it takes a certain kind of person to watch that show and then want to do it yeah and you don't even know what you're getting yourself into yeah I think that's probably there's I think there's a lot of people who would love to play the game and then you get out there and you're like oh gosh this game is it's not just about challenges it's it's so much more um the game is also what you make it as well so where Mm. you choose to place your emphasis um so I had just run across India and as I you do, do. <laughs> as you do. but that was like that was you know, yeah two and a half years of heavy prep but six years of creation of that concept of that project mm. um I was doing it to um as an ambassador of world vision to explore the barriers to quality education you know yep. for children across India so I did that kind of project heart body soul the whole kid and caboodle and then I got back home and like in a week three different people said, oh, you should apply for Survivor. And I was like, no way. Like, I never thought I'd be a contestant on reality TV. But then, you know, I was like, oh, maybe. Like, I I had always loved watching the show. I would never Mm -hmm. call myself a super fan, but I watched a lot of the US seasons and all of the Australian seasons. Yeah. And I applied and, 
you know, um, got a call pretty much the next day to do a phone interview and then it became the next round of interviews and auditions. And the whole time I was like, no, nah, I'm, st- I'm totally not going to do this, but I just want to, maybe I just want to see how far I can go. Yeah. But something kind of flicked inside me during the audition process that I was like, oh, I think I want to, they definitely drew me in, like the experience of just even the challenges and then the, it's, it's a really interesting game. Mm. You can see it as sometimes like the worst behaviour of humans play out. Yeah. And then there's this really interesting psychological side of working with people and using relationships. It, 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 it's got everything. And yeah. Sometimes I'm always on the fence about like, oh, what does this say about human behavior? Because you are tearing people down. Yeah. Not really with bullying. Like I would say like playing the game now twice, it's not bullying, but it can really make people feel fragile. Yeah. And, and there's a of, level of deceit as well. Hundred. Oh, you, you can't play the game without deceit. Like there's a yeah. spectrum of lying in the game. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people try to not lie where they don't have to. And you certainly, in my opinion, shouldn't lie about your personal stuff. Mm. Like I kind of quarantined off. Like I'd never lie about personal stuff. But when it came to the, the game, particularly the second time around, I was aware of you have to be willing to do a level of like deceit and going in knowing that that's the boundaries of the game it makes yep. it a bit easier but it's it's hard uh, the first time I found it incredibly hard so I have a lot of empathy for people who are first-time players who mm-hmm. are trying to kind of grapple their head around that concept and I guess that was an advantage for Mark and I going back yeah so you originally met Mark in your first season <laughs> yeah. can you tell us how the romance blossomed <laughs> Um, it's not like there was a fireworks in terms of we're literally like living in, uh, we were all, we were on the island in Samoa, yeah. but I just, he was saying, we saying about Mark, there's this calm, he was very quiet. He was, he's, he was definitely an introvert. He wasn't doing like overt strategy. And I was on a season where there was heavy strategy from like really the mm. first five minutes of the game, which contrasts with this blood versus water season where it was a slow burn, Yeah, um, particularly for my tribe that didn't go to tribal for the first two tribal councils. Yep. I don't think strategy was really spoken about for five days. Wow. Which is a lot. Like there was a little like I want to work with you kind of stuff, but not like this is a name and let's go for a name. But on my first season, in five minutes, Henry was pulling me aside, like Sarah, you know, there was a lot. Yeah. Um, and I I found it hard the first time around and I was drawn to Mark before his like calm strength. And I think in a game of, you know, deception, you can't help but be drawn to people that you feel like you can have comfort and trust with. Yeah. And then that kind of built, like after a point in time, like I didn't feel like I was falling in love with him, but I felt like this is a person that I am gravitating towards and I need that for comfort. Yeah. And then we got booted off like two days apart of each other. And so I guess that transitioned very, very quickly (laughs) into a real life romance. Um, And here we are like four and a half years, you know, nearly five years later with a son, married. And have gone back as husband and wife. So it's talk about a bit of a crazy um, five years for the two of us. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It it only takes structure. And, and you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little you mean? Yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying Oh, yeah, I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. Look, 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 look,
Me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right play with this I ain't gonna lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I ain't gonna lie. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit seriously. I'm sure. Then the show will always hold a very special place in your heart, mm. having it- met Mark. 100%. And I don't think at the time I realised that. Like I always was like, we'd come away with, you know, the best thing that you could come away with, not what you'd plan, but yeah. a relationship. Um, but I still, the first time around, I was jarred by the experience. You know, I I kind of felt like I was a little bit hard done by by the edit. I was shown as one dimensional and maybe I held on to that a little bit. But, it would, you know, within the years that has passed since then, I really did reflect on if it was not for this show, Mm-hmm. my life would be fundamentally completely different. Yeah. Um, and so I did get this immense sense of gratitude and then going back and more should I say like the prep, I really prepared heavily for this season, like mentally yep. understanding who I was as a person. Like I, what did I say a lot out there? Like you need to know yourself to depart from yourself. Yeah. Um, wow. So I wasn't going there to learn about myself. I wasn't going there to build my confidence. I was there to play the game and I was going to do what it took to play the game. Yeah. Um, but I just remember thinking like, I can't believe this is, I'm going back to the place where my life changed. So in between those two seasons, obviously you've been married, you've become a mum, you've done all this advocacy work. Mm-hmm. What else has happened in your life? What's it been like? Oh, my God, life moves quickly and a lot mm. happens in between. Um, I mean, obviously having creating a family is the biggest thing. Um, I've done a lot of work, as you said, in the advocacy space. Um, I, I put together a campaign called The Relief Run in 2020 during the Australian bushfires. Yep. Um, and what I love to do in my life is connecting the things that I love, the people who love similar things, but then tying them together with a maybe a, a more social purpose yeah. So I love using running as this vehicle for social change. And so in 2020, when we were hit by the bushfires, which almost seems like a decade ago. I was going to say it seems so long ago now. Yeah. It? I mean, we've been struck with a pandemic for the past two years. It really did change the landscape of how we all live our day-to-day mm. lives and also how we think about the future. Um, and we put this campaign together, me and my best mate, Nick Davidson, and you know, in 12 days, we raised $1.3 million for the Australian Red Cross. The wow. concept was getting people to do a virtual 5 to 21K run, donating $50 to the Australian Red Cross, and all the money went to it. And we put that campaign and the website infrastructure together in a, in a 56-hour period and never imagined with no major backing, you know, yeah. not really, we're not, we're not celebrities, we're just like, we had a very modest profile yeah. and we did the entire campaign off social media uh, wow. and then media came on board off that. So that was a, like, that was a really exciting example of like, I don't always have to be running across a country. I don't always need to be personally doing grand feats of anything. If you connect people to a similar mindset through a similar purpose, they'll want to do it. Yeah. And it's a lot more empowering. So we did that. I uh, did another similar campaign for when India was struck with their second wave of COVID-19, which completely Hideous, hit yeah. the country. Um, we raised $350,000 again in a really short period. So that's been like some of my really um, meaningful moments in the past couple of years. You know, I still yeah. do endurance racing. Mark and I did a race called the world's toughest race in Fiji a couple of years ago. 
Um, it was where teams of four descended down onto Fiji um, for this 700k adventure race of kayaking, stand up paddle boarding, climbing, running, um, trekking. Um, and that was for this show called The World's Toughest Race that was yeah. Amazon Prime with Bear Grylls. So that was so oh cool to do that. Yeah, it was so cool <laughs> to do that with Mark. And it was interesting at the time I thought, oh, this is actually a show and it's a concept that really does line up with my everyday life and my thoughts of like teams working together, yeah. some people having strengths and weaknesses, but where you work together, like I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of heights, water. <laughs> I've got a lot of fears. Wow. Um, so <laughs> you wouldn't have thought that. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. why I love these. I love Survivor and I love kind of experiences like this because they take you to places that you probably wouldn't do on your own. Mm. But in that adventure race, I was climbing this 380 meter rock face in the middle of the night in pouring rain in Fiji. And my team was willing me, like helping me to get on, you know, to pass my fears. Yeah. Um, and so like, yeah. Survivor is interesting because, you know, that challenge where we had to swim to the net, climb up the net, grab a ball and jump down. Yeah. I had already told my teammates I'm terrible at swimming and I'm really not good with heights. Yeah. But, you know, three of the guys raised their hands to do it or four and we needed one more person to do it. And two of the other guys, you know, you should never just assume it's going to be guys who do the more physical part of it. But everyone else kind of had different fears or concern about doing it. And I'm like, I've just got to raise my hand. I've just got to, this is an opportunity for me to extend myself. Yeah. So when the opportunity presented itself to compete with Mark, obviously it's an amazing opportunity to do that with your husband. But was there any doubt in your mind? Like, oh, what if we do have to deceive each other? Is this going to put pressure on the relationship? What was your thought process around that opportunity? Um, we literally got phone called just as we'd been hit by a really bad storm in the Dandong Ranges and we were not able to live at our house for close to a month. I um, remember this. I'm mm, from Melbourne as well. Yeah. Yeah. So like the house in front of us completely was like crushed and destroyed by a couple of trees. A few other homes were destroyed in our street. Uh, so it was this very interesting time of pandemic, lockdown, storm, house inhabitable. Um, so a lot of people would say like that was not a good time to be contemplating this, but I also think there's never a good time. Yeah. And when they called us, I could see this fire in Mark. And initially I was, part of me was like, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure. And then seeing him and then also I started to get like, okay, this is, a chance for redemption mm. this is a chance to see if I can put into play the things that maybe I didn't do so right the first time around and play a better game yeah you know I'm a competitive person um but I also am like I'm competitive in the game but I'm competitive with myself to shop the best that I can mm -hmm. uh and of course yeah playing as a husband and wife you know that that's going to add a lot of pressure to your relationship but I think I said before like we delineated the game in real life yeah and yeah. so Yes, it was stressful. Um, I'm sure uh, I'm, there's a lot of husbands and wives who would not put their relationship <laughs> under that pressure cooker. I certainly would not go on with my Yeah, and I've, been, well, I've been getting a lot of emails from, you know, women who are married and they're going, I can't believe he didn't choose you. And like, I would have felt it. And I'm like, yeah, because that's real. It's, yeah. it's human. Like we're not just game bots. Um, it's head and heart the entire time. Um, and that's what makes this season fascinating. Like how yeah. do these relationships 
kind of complement each other and because you play half you know people are playing apart and then in the swap you've got Chrissy and Croc now together you had KJ and Sophie and Josh yeah. and Jordan and the Red Tribe and Nina and Sandra you know a lot of those people had formed relationships before coming together and now they have to try and navigate that yeah um it's hard like it's a definitely a more complicated season than the first time around yeah and for you personally you have become a mum since mm. you competed first uh, in 2017. So how was that going back physically? Did you feel like you were this, at the same level, but also emotionally and psychologically becoming a mother changes you? Mm. It Talk does. me through that. I mean, after becoming a mum, you're different. You're not mm. weaker. In fact, in many respects, you're a lot stronger. You might yep. not feel that your body is as strong, but it actually, it can be yep. even stronger. And I think your mind is great, but it was a big deal for both Mark and I to go and play the game. Yeah. Um, leaving, we were the only pairing in the group that we were leaving our child without a parent. Mm. Um, and so that was a, it weighed on us heavily. Um, I remember when I saw Mark at that, um, you know, that challenge where they brought all, all the reward, they brought us both together. Yeah. And Mark and I were crying because we were like, how can we do this? How can we leave Harry away with neither of us? Yeah. And we were convinced, I was convinced I would be booted in the first week. Um, <laughs> I, I told my mum that I'm like, oh, I'll be back in a week. Don't worry. Um, and so when I passed a week, I was like, oh my gosh, like what if we last longer? And now we've actually, we are literally leaving our child without a parent. Yeah. So it's something we did think about quite, a lot out there and I just remember saying to Mark like if we're going to do this if we're going to be away from Harry it has to count yeah um so you see us being really focused and determined and about game and strategy and sometimes separating you know you know it's a complicated game and yeah we were there to play it adding that layer of not knowing how your kid's going can't imagine nah. how yeah. difficult that was did you have to sort of compartmentalize and almost remove that from your mind like how did you do that I think it's the only way I was able to do it by compartmentalizing yeah. but then you know when I got over to the blue tribe I'm with Chrissy and KJ and they both have kids too and so mm. then it was like the three mamas and sometimes yeah. we would talk about it and then like Chrissy and I'd be like we can't talk about it anymore <laughs> and um so I really loved playing you know with those women and yeah. sharing an experience together you know croc had two kids as well dave with brianna you know dave and i connected quite a bit because i could understand what it would feel like to lose brianna mm. and you know like so we had some really special moments you know even though it looks like dave and i were against each other like we could bond because we were parents and so that yeah. is a difference being a parent, you have a automatic connection to parents out there because you've all left your child at home and none of you have any contact to them. You don't know how they're going. Yeah. Call them. You don't know anything. Um, and that is incredibly hard, but through social, I mean, through adversity, there's a bonding element to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my next question, and I think we've almost already answered it, but what is the biggest challenge or what was the biggest mm -hmm. challenge for you being on the show. So apart from obviously the obvious of being away from your child, what are some of the other challenges? Oh, the whole game's hard. Um, uh, I mean, the elements were hard, but I was kind of prepped for that in terms of like, I know it's going to be harsh, but the heat was hotter than I expected. Yeah. You know, you're standing out, you know, waiting to do these challenges and it's hot and 
you know, it, it's very, very hard physically on your body. Um, mm. But I would always say the mental burden of the game and voting people out and potentially misleading them or breaking confidences and trusts because it's the important, it's what you deem it important for your game to not play with that person anymore. It's really hard. Like, yeah. is it, as we've said, there's a human element to this and it was a great cast. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the people that I got to play with on this season. You know, obviously there was some issues with Sophie, but let's just park that aside. <laughs> you know, for the cast as an entirety, yeah, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people who I'm very, yeah. very good friends with now. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to see how the rest of the show plays out, <laughs> who gets crowned sole survivor. We always finish with this question, at It's All Her, we are all about making life simpler and better for women. How do you do that for yourself? Mm, one of my best friends uh, is a wonderful woman called Kemi Nekvapil. She's actually releasing a book called Power, but she's also released a book called The Gift of Asking, and it's actually mm. a great book for women. Um, it talks about like the importance of asking, how to ask, but also when you ask, you have to expect that that person has a right to say no as much as yeah. they have a right to say yes. But one thing that Kemi and I always talk about is if this were to look easy, how would it look? And so... Sometimes you create this like things look so complicated and the steps moving forward to your goals or navigating a situation, we overcomplicate them. Yeah. So Kimmy will always just say to me, if this were to look simple, how would it look? Yeah. And sometimes I feel like that cuts the noise and it gives you simple, methodical steps to get to wherever you want to go. So it's a bit of a mantra for me. Yeah, you know, I love don't, that. We don't need to um, dramatise things. And actually another really great one, I, um, I have a business called Her Trails. It's about um, having women feel confident and resilient to be out into wild and, and nature field environments, typically through trail running, but also hiking. Um, and we do this retreat in the Lara Pinta and we work with the only Indigenous guiding company in the region called Lara Pinta Culture. And they talk a lot about, particularly in Indigenous culture, about listening more than talking. Uh, And when all you do is talk, that's all you actually hear. But when you stop to just listen, you know, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. But another thing that I learned through my time with Lara Pinta culture is this idea of um, that's not my story to tell. And Survivor is a complete opposite. We constantly are playing the game by telling other people's stories because that's, you know, this person said that and this person said that. But in my everyday life, I try very, very hard now not to tell other people's stories because every time you tell someone else's story, you're taking away the intention, their meaning, and you're possibly putting your own spin on it because mm. that's what we do. Yeah. Um, so I catch myself all the time when I tell your own stories, tell your own experiences, your own stories, and let the stories of other people be left to be told by them. That's an amazing way to finish. Sam, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the podcast. Can't wait to watch the rest of Survivor. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, no, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of It's All Her. If you have loved this episode, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen and I'll be back in your ears next week. 